transition from worshiping through music uh, to worshiping through the preaching of God's word. I want to invite you to read our passage with me today. It comes from the book of Galatians, chapter 6, and we will read verses 1 through 5 together. It says this, brothers, if anyone is caught in transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone, and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. Let's pray again together. God, thank you for your word. God, thank you that in your word we have all that we need. Lord, I pray that as we, as we look at your word today, uh, Holy Spirit, that you would open the eyes of our hearts that we might see it, that you would convict us, that you would encourage us, that you might give us everything that we need to respond in a godly way. God, I thank you for Northway and... I thank you that we get to gather together each week. And what a blessing and an encouragement it is. In your name we pray, amen. So Sarah and I have been reading through the kids' version of Pilgrim's Progress uh, with our four-year-old daughter, Nora. And if you're not familiar, Pilgrim's Progress is an allegory. And it's a story about a, a pilgrim named Christian who's on this journey uh, from the city of destruction, which represents earth, to the celestial city, which represents heaven. And as he goes on this journey for the first portion, there's this big burden on his back that he carries. And this burden is representative of his sin that he carries with him. So we're reading this story with my daughter and, and one evening she says, well, well dad, do, do you and mommy have burdens as well? And I said, well, well yeah, we, we did and we do, but Jesus took our ultimate burden away and continues to, to faithfully bear our burdens uh, even now. And she kind of stopped and her eyes got a little bit bigger and then she said, well, dad, do I have a burden right now? And I said, well, well, yeah, Nora, you actually do. You have, a, you have a really big burden on your back and it's, it's your sin. And her eyes got a little bit bigger and she kind of started, you know, trying to figure out where this burden on her back was. And she said, well, how do I get rid of my burden? I said, well, well mommy and I, we prayed to Jesus and we put our faith in Jesus and he took away our burden and he gave us his righteousness. And she got kind of, puzzled and, and had this inquisitive look and then she closed her eyes really, really tightly. She got really, really quiet and then she opened them and said, whew, that burden was heavy. I'm glad it's gone. And I said, Nora, you have no idea, right? How many of you feel like you walked in here today with a big old burden on your back? Just carrying something that feels like it is crushing you. And the heart of our passage today is that the burden you walked in here with is not meant to be carried alone. 
Last week, we began a new series entitled One Another, and it focuses on the value of community and the idea that your conversion is a community-creating event, right? Kevin last week focused on the idea that a healthy biblical community is one that is rich in forgiveness, and this week, we'll see that a gospel-centered church is one that will both bear and share one another's burdens, before we get too far into this, I want to define what I mean when I say a burden, right? So, so that all of our minds are, are going to the same place when we talk about burdens. And as we do that, I want to say up front that not everything is a burden, right? In fact, this is the distinction that Paul makes here in verse 5. It, it oftentimes creates a lot of confusion. If you skip down, if you look at verse 5, he says, for each will have to bear his own load. You can see why this is confusing, right? Because in verse two, he's saying, hey, we should bear one another's burdens. And then in verse five, he's saying, you should bear your own load. This is where the, the Greek is really helpful here because the word used for burden in verse two and the word used for load in verse five are very different words. Right, The first one, burden, is really translated as a weight or a heavy load, something that's just really, really heavy, something that's crushing. However, the second word he uses in verse five, load, that's best translated as a man's pack or a backpack, right? So think about the difference between a boulder above your head versus a backpack, and this distinction is helpful because it helps us understand that not every burden is a load. Some things are too heavy to be carried alone. But some things we can carry on our own. It's more of a backpack. Not everything is a burden. It's problematic when we treat burdens as if it's a load and we treat a load as if it's a burden, right? So there requires great biblical discernment to figure out whether we're dealing with a burden or whether we're dealing with a load. So what is a burden? This is it, it's the top of your bulletin as well. So a burden is anything that significantly threatens to crush the joy of our faith. Whether a tragedy that threatens to make us doubt God's goodness or a sin that threatens to drag us into guilt and judgment. I'll say it again. A burden is anything that threatens to crush the joy of our faith. So this could be a tragedy that threatens to make us doubt God's goodness or a sin that threatens to drag us into guilt and judgment. And a burden is a significant load. Again, it is not a backpack, but it is a boulder. This means that sometimes a burden is a consequence of our own sin. Right? This is the focus of verse one, is those who are experiencing a burden because of their own sin, they should be restored with gentleness. It could be an addiction, Maybe a big moral failure, a persistent character flaw of indwelling sin, right? But sometimes a burden is a consequence of circumstance, not a sin of our own. It could be the, the tragic loss of a loved one that makes life really difficult. It could just be a health tragedy, an unforeseen financial circumstance that creates difficulty or, or unexpectedly losing a job to no fault of our own. 
Right? Per- perhaps it was whatever you were thinking about during worship this morning that prohibited you from fully engaging and fully singing. See, a lot of different people have different burdens. But the first thing that we see in this passage, the first truth, is that burdens are assumed in a broken world. Burdens are assumed in a broken world. Galatians 6, 2 says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. You see, the implication here is not if burdens become a reality for us, but when burdens become a reality for us. We will all at some point have a burden to varying degrees, right? Elizabeth Elliot, she was the husband of Jim Elliot. Uh, Jim Elliot was a missionary. He was actually murdered by the indigenous people that he was trying to save. I'm sure you're familiar with him. She said this, we want to avoid suffering, death, sin, ashes, But we live in a world crushed and broken and torn, a world God himself visited to redeem. We receive his poured out life and being allowed the high privilege of suffering with him may then pour ourselves out for others. Because of the fall, because of Adam and Eve and their sin in the garden, since then, the world is broken. This should not surprise us, right? It is a healthy biblical perspective to come to grips with the reality that our world has fallen. There's going to be hard things that we have to deal with. There will be burdens, whether in your past or in your present or in your future. And the first step, I believe, in being a community that will share and bear burdens is understanding that burdens will always be a part of life on this side of heaven. Right? I believe that true Christian joy is not the denial of burdens, but embracing that they're a reality of our broken world and trusting God with them. Trusting God to sanctify from burdens of personal sin and through burdens of circumstantials. Jesus reminds us in John 16, in this world, you will have tribulation. But what? But take heart. I have overcome the world. See, burdens are a reality for us on this side of heaven. And this is important because if we fail to recognize burdens as a reality, we will hide them from one another, right? The the, the gospel, the wonderful thing about the gospel is it not only allows us to acknowledge our weaknesses, but in 2 Corinthians 12.9, Paul says what? I will boast in my weaknesses because his strength is sufficient for me. And yet far too often, we all act as if burdens and and sin and difficulties and struggles were, were a thing of the past, right? Before I became a Christian, I used to really struggle with stuff, but now everything's perfect. And the truth is that Acknowledging burdens as a reality gives us a freedom to share them, not to be complacent with them, but not to pretend that they don't exist either, right? A gospel-centered burden-sharing community is one that is authentic, but not apathetic. One that's willing to be real with one another and to say, man, I've got this thing that I'm dealing with and it's really difficult. Not to be apathetic towards our sin, but to be authentic about our sin. 
A community that acknowledges burdens are a reality is a community that allows a safe place to express and share those burdens. I think that's one reason, some of you may be involved in this, that on Monday evenings we have Celebrate Recovery. And I think one reason that the, the worship seems so rich on that night is because everybody that's coming to Celebrate Recovery on Monday is putting all their burdens on the table, right? There, there's no pretending as if they don't exist, but they're there, they're out there. And so there's worship in freedom, knowing I'm laying my burdens down in front of the community, but in front of the Lord as well. Unfortunately, we all have a habit, I think sometimes, of tucking our burdens away, right? Just locking them in a safe and acting as if they don't exist. And I just need you to know that that's not God's design. That's not how God designed us to deal with the crushing weight of burdens. Which leads us to our second point in the passage. The second truth that we see is that all Christians are called to share and bear burdens with one another. All Christians are called to share and bear burdens with one another. Galatians 6, 1 and 2. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Now, at first glance, you guys think, man, I've got an out, right? At first glance, you read this and go, well, it says uh, you who are spiritual. Well, I'm not that spiritual. So this isn't talking to me, right? It's almost this elitist language, right? Like you who are really spiritual bear one another's burdens. The rest of you are off the hook. But, but that's really not what he means here. The language, even though it feels elitist a little bit, when he says you who are spiritual, what he really means is you who are spirit led. And what we know from the rest of scripture is that every Christian falls under this category of those who are spiritual, those who are spirit led, right? In Acts 2.38, we see Peter assuring Christians that they will receive the spirit after repenting and believing. In 2 Corinthians 1.22, we see that God establishes us in Christ. He also puts this spirit within each of us as a guarantee of our salvation. Ephesians 1, 13 through 14, we see Paul, he's encouraging the church by reminding them that when they heard the word of truth, the gospel of salvation, and they believed in him, they were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. And finally, in Romans 8 and 9, we hear Paul work this out. He says, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. Right, meaning anyone who does belong to him does have the spirit of Christ. So all people who are Christians have the spirit of Christ. That means all Christians are spirit led. So when Paul commands us in Galatians 6 that you who are spiritual should bear one another's burdens, he means everyone that's a Christian. Nobody's off the hook, right? It should be clear that this is a command for all Christians. This means the words, it's not my problem, 
are not biblical words for Christians when we become aware of a burden that someone else is carrying. It means we don't have the freedom of turning a blind eye to it's not my problem within the body of Christ. The command to bear one another's burdens is the command for all of us, whether you're in sixth grade or whether you're 70. We are called to bear one another's burdens. And it's not a suggestion, it's a command. And it's not just for pastors, it's a requirement to be an obedient believer. And take note here, we're empowered by the Holy Spirit to do this, right? Anything in all of scripture that God asks us to do, he doesn't expect us to do it alone. Right, the Holy Spirit empowers us to do these things. So the emphasis of spirit-led is that the spirit will enable you to do what God is commanding you to do, to bear one another's burdens. You know, we often ask the question, what should we do with our lives, right? What's my purpose in life? What should I do with my life? What does God want me to do? What's the will of God for my life today? And I think here in Galatians 6, God makes it really clear. We should make it our daily mission to be alert to the burdens of others and then devote ourselves to making those burdens lighter. It should be our daily purpose to be alert to the burdens of other people and then devote ourselves to making those burdens lighter whether that is a sin in their life or just a circumstantial burden, we are called to gently, in a spirit-led way, lighten those burdens. Here's the flip side of that, right? If everyone in the church is commanded to bear the burdens of one another, that means Paul is assuming here that some people are willing to share their burdens with one another, right? I mean, this is a logical necessity. If some are bearing burdens, then that means some have to be sharing burdens. If nobody's willing to share a burden, then nobody can bear a burden. Some of you walked in here today and you feel crushed under the weight of a tremendous burden. You're struggling. The joy of your faith is being suffocated, maybe by a secret sin, maybe by a public sin, maybe by circumstantial hardship that has nothing to do with your choices, but it just fell upon you. Maybe by overwhelming anxiety or depression, and you're trying to deal with it by yourself. You're just trying to be quiet, just deal with it on your own. And I need you to hear Galatians 6 today and know that that is not how God designed us to operate. And some of you need to grab a friend before you leave this building today and share a burden. 
somebody that can shoulder the load, that is stealing the joy of your salvation. Don't walk out of here carrying that boulder on your own. And some of you might say, but man, pastor, I don't even have anybody that comes to mind. I can't even think of a person that, that I, it would be appropriate for me to share this with. So maybe your first step is just like we're asking you to do is join a home team in a context where you can develop a friendship that allows for that type of burden sharing. Maybe that's your step today is just, is just get in a context where you can have a friend close enough to share it with you. Right, because burden sharing requires a, a level of intimacy, right? A proximity. If, if we're holding something together, we've got to be near each other. But listen, if you came in today with a burden, please, please know, God does not intend for you to carry it alone. The point of this entire series is for you to see the biblical assumption that Christians will live in community and how incredibly dangerous it is to be a lone ranger Christian. If you don't think that you need gospel-centered community to help you pursue Jesus and find joy in him, you could not be more wrong. And that's exactly where Paul goes and the third thing that we see in this passage is the problem of self-reliance. The problem of self-reliance. Galatians 6, two through three says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. You see, this attack against self-reliance and self-exaltation and pride, it's woven all throughout the book of Galatians, really. Repeatedly in Galatians, Paul points the church back to dependence on Jesus for the exaltation of Jesus and urges them to deny self-dependence for the sake of self-exaltation. Go, go home today and read the book of Galatians and you'll see this over and over and over again. Right in, in, in chapter one, he highlights that salvation is a gift of God for the glory of God in contrast to a work dependent on man for man's own glory. In chapter two, he rebukes Peter for self-exaltation and preservation by elevating his ethnicity over his own gospel identity. Chapter three, he emphasizes that we're saved not by self-reliance on our own good works, but depending on faith in the work of God. Chapter four, he emphasizes finding ourself in relationship to who God says we are, rather than making a name for ourselves by our own power. Chapter five, he urges us to live a spirit-led life, to keep in step with the spirit guiding us as opposed to living a self-guided life and depending on our own ability and wits. And now in chapter six, he illustrates how self-reliance can and will completely derail 
a community of mutual burden bearers. And if we're not careful, create a group of loosely connected people, each individually being crushed under the weight of our burdens and completely uninterested in the burdens of other people. See, the problem of self-reliance, which is ultimately rooted in pride, has been what John Piper calls a virus that causes all the moral disease of the world. Right? Ever since Adam and Eve, they ate the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil because they wanted to be God rather than depend on God. In verse three here of Galatians six, it begins with for if. That, that phrase is an indication that if we make the mistake of verse three, we will not be able to fulfill the command of verse two. For if we think we're something when we're nothing, then we will not bear and share the burdens of one another. So how does this make sense? How does self-reliance prevent us from bearing the burdens of other people? How does self-reliance prevent us from bearing the burdens of other people? Well, if that burden is a consequence of their own sin, we turn our nose up at them, don't we? If we think that we're something, we think, I'd never do something like that. I would never sin the way that they sin. Right, and instead of restoring them with gentleness, like we see in verse one, we make a prideful judgment. Or or perhaps the burden is, is not a consequence of sin, but is instead just a difficult circumstance. And what tragically happens is that we're just so caught up in ourselves doing our own thing that we don't take time to notice or to care. We're just so busy. I've got stuff going on. We lose the capacity to feel another's pain. We just don't have time for someone else's problems. I've got my own stuff, right? I'll confess to you, there's been so many times in my own life, somebody around me was not okay. And all the signs of them not being okay were there. And I completely missed it because I was just too busy and too self-absorbed. I've seen it with adults. I've seen it with, with family. I've seen it with student ministry. I've seen students that are just not okay and families that are just too busy to look them in the eye and notice. too self-reliant to slow down, too self-absorbed to take a minute. Just missing it. I've said, I've said recently in the last few months, you know, I'm just too busy. I've got all of my own problems. I don't even have the capacity to feel empathy for them. I just got a lot going on. How tragic. What about burden sharing? How does self-reliance prevent us from burden sharing? Oh, I can handle this myself. I don't want anyone to know how broken I am. I've always been somebody who has it all together and, and, and I can't lose that public perception. If I share my burden, they'll think less of me. I've got a pastor friend of mine. He told me about a, a woman who came up to him one Sunday morning after church and in 
was asking for prayer. So she gently grabbed him and, and pulled him aside and said, Pastor, can I please ask you to pray for my son in college? He's just, he's drinking a lot and he's running around with girls and he's, he's not going to class and he won't get in church and can you just pray for him? My friend said, well, yeah, of course, but, but one question. Why are we whispering? She said, well, well, I don't want anyone to know because they'll think I'm just a bad mom. Isn't that tragic? That in, in the community of believers that we would hide burdens to, to save face, where we don't feel that we can be honest with close intimate friends about the weights that's crushing us. Self-dependence, self-preservation pride will convince us it is necessary to carry our burdens alone, won't it? But we're deceiving ourselves if we think we can do it alone. And the best antidote for self-deception is honest confession. We've got to be willing to bear and share burdens. Because self-dependence is contrary to the gospel in every way, right? Which is exactly why I think Paul grounds all of this in the law of Christ, right? So he, he takes all of this and he puts it in the law of Christ. If you look at verse two, he says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ, now this phrase Paul uses here, the law of Christ, it's, it's created some debate about exactly what he means here, some conversation about what he's referring to here. But I agree with Todd Wilson when he says that this phrase is clearly intended to point the, to the person and the work of Christ, which is the fourth and final truth that we see about the passage today. It's that bearing others' burdens is following in the footsteps of Christ who bore ours. Bearing others' burdens is just following in the footsteps of Christ who bore ours. Isaiah 53 says it far better than I could. Listen to what it says about how Jesus took on our burdens. It says he was despised and rejected by men a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. You see, salvation is giving up our greatest burden to Christ. The, the, the basis for our salvation is the denial of self-reliance. When Jesus says in Matthew 11, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, he's saying we don't have to unburden ourselves to come to Jesus. 
He's saying it is our burdens that qualify us to come. The same attitude of surrender that we show at the foot of the cross in our conversion is the attitude that overflows into burden sharing with brothers and sisters in Christ. Listen, I I beg you today, if you are being crushed under the weight of a burden, don't depend on self. Ultimately depend on Jesus, who says, come to me all who are heavy laden and I will give you rest. But depend on one another as God has designed us to do within the body of Christ. Salvation means we, we empty ourselves, right? That's what happens when we become a believer is we come to the cross and we say, God, I've tried everything I can do by myself and nothing works. So I'm laying everything that I have at your feet and I'm trusting you wholly because I can't earn it. I can't do enough to, to get myself into heaven, to credit your love and your approval. And so I've, I've come to the end of me And I'm trusting you, Jesus, to take my burden for me. That's what it means to be a believer. And so how ironic that after that moment at our conversion, we would pick our pride and our self-dependence back up and say, but from here on out, all the big burdens in my life, I'm gonna carry those by myself. Rather than taking them back to the cross and sharing them with one another as well. but Jesus took on our burdens. Dane Ortland points out in his book, Gentle and Lowly, twice in the gospels, we're told that Jesus broke down and wept. And in neither case is it sorrow for himself of his own pains. In both cases, it's sorrow over another. What was his deepest anguish? The anguish of others. What drew his heart out to the point of tears? The tears of others. See, as we look at the heart of Christ, we're transformed to reflect Christ. And as we individually reflect the heart of Christ, we become a Christ-like community that it's other people's anguish that brings about anguish in us. It's compassion for the burdens that other people are bearing. A burden bearing and a burden sharing community. Free from self-dependence, self-exaltation and full of compassion for other people. It's when we begin to count others as more significant than ourselves as we're told in Philippians 2. That's the kind of community God calls us to be. And so I don't know if you need to to help bear a burden today or if you need to go share a burden, but I feel certain that you'll have a step when we leave here. You know, I can't help but think of the Lord of the Rings. I don't know if you guys have seen that, but the final scene in the return of the king, Frodo, who's tasked with completing this great burdensome task of dropping the ring into the fire to completely destroy it forever. And he's too weary and he's too exhausted to get up the mountain to throw it in the fire. And who's there? His loyal friend, Sam. 
and, and with tears in his eyes and compassion in his heart, what does he say? He says, come, Mr. Frodo, I can't carry it for you, but I can carry you. And sometimes we all need a Sam where we can say, man, it's just hard right now. I just, I just need some help. And sometimes we need to be a Sam, right? Say, hey, I know it's hard. Let me just, let me just carry you through this. Empowered by the Holy Spirit, because that's what Jesus did for us.